progression towards ideas that you find exciting will always have you motivated. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another incredible episode of For the Love of Money. I've got a real treat for you today because I am lifting the curtain from one of the conversations that I had at my elite level mastermind with the legend Rob Deerdeck. Now, all of you already know who Rob Deerdeck is, but as a quick reminder, he is the professional skater turned legendary TV personality and mega entrepreneur. Now, most of you first probably knew of Rob from TV shows such as Ridiculousness on MTV, which is still airing in like its millionth season at this point, or from shows like Fantasy Factory or even Robin Big before that. But what most people don't actually realize is how wildly successful and brilliant of an entrepreneur that Rob is. Now, Rob runs a firm here in Los Angeles called The Deer Deck Machine, which is this incredible business incubator where he invests in and then partners with hot new brands in order to get them off the ground and guide their growth until they eventually sell. Now, with well over 25 companies in his portfolio currently, he owns really popular brands like he's invested in the UFC, uh, Beatbox Beverages, UltraCast, Along with, by the way, a couple of companies that I'm invested in with him as well, such as Outstanding Foods, the vegan foods company founded by Bill Glazer, and the luxury goods company, 333, founded by my friend Chris King. And that's how I've really gotten to know Rob over the past couple of years is by being involved in some of his companies like this and just running around with that circle of incredible entrepreneurs like he and and the other gentleman that I mentioned. And he was willing to come to our elite level mastermind and bless us with his incredible knowledge of not just how he runs these businesses, not just how he's built this this legend that he has built so far, but also, and even more importantly, how he leads such an incredible life of balance and love and happiness. Like no other entrepreneur I think I've ever seen, especially when they're performing at such a high level like this. And so what you're about to hear is me lifting the curtain and inviting you in to the recording of the Q&A that Rob and I did when he came and spoke to my elite level mastermind members. I mean, imagine being around a dinner table in an intimate setting, being able to ask Rob anything you wanted. Well, that's exactly what this is. So it's going to be like you are at the table with us. And the questions and answers that came up were so freaking good that I wanted all of you to be able to listen to them as well. And by the way, in case you ever want to actually be at that table, in case you actually want to lock arms in a mastermind experience, just like what you're about to hear, if you're making over $500,000 a year and this is you, then go ahead, invite my team and I and my amazing entrepreneurial friends to lock arms with you and guide your business to the next level for one year in 2020. You can do that by going and checking out the application. 
at fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. Again, if you make over $500,000 a year and you want us to lock arms with you and help guide you to everything you need to know to get into the multiple seven-figure range, then go check out the application and all the information at fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. And But until then, get ready because what you're about to hear is some of the most incredible advice on how to live an epic life and grow an epic business that you will ever hear from my friend, Rob Deerdeck. Here we go. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to start with a few questions and then we'll turn it over to you guys because it's really about you and your questions. But just like uh, every other time, before you ask a question, please introduce yourself and say one thing that you are grateful for and then proceed with your question. Love it. Love it. So I actually want to kick this thing off with um, asking about your core values because that was one of the things that when we first met you just absolutely rocked us. Could you explain what your core values are and, and why they mean so much to you? Look, I don't, I don't think I have my specific core values defined so specifically. I would say it's just more about the life that I have chosen to design. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, like, um, you know, I seek to do things that give me energy, right? And I went through an incredibly methodic process to make sure that I created a system to eliminate all this stuff that takes energy from me uh, and, and only did stuff that gave me energy. And then, then ultimately, I work extremely hard, but I, I have created a deeply balanced, peaceful, happy life in which to build my goals around and my long-term achievement and purpose in life is also about living a very, very fulfilled and balanced life. And I think a lot of people, especially business people, don't uh, start with sort of the end in mind of like, okay, what does success look like and what type of life do I want to leave? Because at the end of the day, I think ultimately you're, you're, you're playing the game for your lifestyle and your legacy, right? Like no matter what you choose to do, like I, look, I just happen to need a $30 million house that's 18,000 square foot and, 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 you know what I mean? It's absurd. It still bothers me a little bit. Like, why? Why are you? Why? Why? And then I'm in VR. Like, oh, why does that bother so you? Good. Can I ask why does it bother you? I, uh, because it's like it's like I'm. You know, I I have these deeply look. The the way I'm I manage my existence is absolute clarity. There's there's not one aspect. There's not a business that I have. There's not a dollar that I have. There is not. Uh, one reason that I make a decision for everything that it does not have some sort of core purpose about against the type of life I want to live or what I'm hoping to achieve, right? And and so I know that I've put this goal uh, to create what I call forever estates, and I've been I bought it in 2015. I've been designing it for four years, right? I um, I I know that it's this this great sort of milestone and sort of center of gravity to my family. Uh, that I want to create and do, but it's it's still the idea of like, man, if you did just reeled it in a little bit, you'd be living there already, right? But I'm it's it's that sort of aspect. But I know it's the lifestyle side. Like I know that ultimately, I would I would be upset with myself if I just went and built a, a, a reasonable house versus like creating a much bigger one, right? So uh, look, like like I'm saying, like it's not. I don't have any deep principles. Um, other than your your ultimate goal and whatever you're hoping to achieve is is peacefulness and happiness, right? Like you, 
you want to you want to have deep clarity on what you're doing exactly because then you know when you're sacrificing right the the thing about super clear goals super defined understanding of what you hope to achieve out of life is you know when like okay I've got to go hard for 6 months 8 months a year and you can see the progress that you're making towards this bigger end goal it's so much easier uh to be able to continue to live in that sacrifice and waver in the ups and downs when you know you are making this progression towards this grander vision and clear goal that you have in mind in the first place. Cool. My next question would be this. The container that you have built for your life. So, you know, you have very clearly defined rules of here's when I'm working, here's where I'm working and and then these very strong boundaries when it comes to your family and putting them first. Where did that come from? And how do you uphold those boundaries so well? Look, you know, I, I, there's, a, there's a lot of different ways. Like, A, it's what I want and what I'm the way that I want to live, right? So, and, and I've already achieved a pretty substantial amount of success. And, and it would be silly uh, in your pursuit of even more, uh, not having great balance and being able to put a family first uh, since you've already created it, right? And and it's it's at my scale. And and to me, I, I let everything be incredible. This super systematic uh, machine like existence that is purely agile. You know what I mean? Like it is. If one of my kids wakes up sick, I I cancel the morning to take them uh, to the doctor. Right? I take my son to school uh, three days a week. Like I I really I've never not been to a pediatrician appointment for my kids. Like I don't do anything that's family oriented. I don't have my wife go do something, right? I I and to me it's it's the love that I have for my family, my wife, the home that we have, how we've uh raised our children in this incredible loving environment where the parents love each other and then they're we're there every single day when they wake up and when they go to bed and and really creating that world and that universe. It's just like I've I decided that's how I wanted to live. I wouldn't say that, you know, it wasn't like that for me growing up, but I have been afforded to design my life the way that I want. And then I designed it in a way that's incredibly agile so that I can literally do whatever I want when I want to a degree, right? Like obviously if I'm shooting television, I wouldn't be like, kill the television show. My kid's got the sneezes. You know what I mean? Like I still have, it's still relative, but for the most part, uh, most things are, are movable. And really I build my schedule around it too. Right. So I, I, and again, you, you choose the life that you live. You choose to work super hard to achieve your goals. But what's, what the worst is when you are, working as hard as you could possibly work and you just keep slamming into walls, right? And like you're putting more and more energy thinking if you work harder, you're going to achieve it versus when you have crystal clarity, like, you know, if you're not seeing immense progression towards your goal, then you then you just don't understand your goal clear enough, right? If you just put like, oh, I'm going to make 10 million next year and you did 500,000 this year. It's like, if you can't say that because I'm going to scale into six products, I'm going to go from $50 a piece to a hundred and we're going to open up 20,000 stores and I'm going to be able to sell five units per and do 10 million. Like if you don't have it that lined up um, in a tactical, methodical way, um, 
you just are kind of flying blind and then you're working so hard and you keep asking, why? Why isn't it working? I got to work harder. I got to pivot. They say to pivot, right? Like it's, yeah, like that's the, and look, yeah, look, pivoting is, boy, it's, it's, it ain't pivot, it's product market fit, right? It's like, you're really fighting to figure out who your customer is, what they're willing to pay and how you have to adjust your product and pricing to find them in the right place. And maybe it's not, you, you thought it was 25-year-old, the 35-year-old guys that love to uh, work out seven days a week, but really it's females that uh, actually love your product because of the way it tastes, right? Like there's so, and I think Vital Proteins, if you're familiar with that, I, uh, which I feel probably everyone is, it, it, that's sort of the kind of process that they went on where when they discovered it was this giant, the collagen exploded in this sort of female audience, he just changed all the branding to this soft, a sweeter palate and just, you know, exploded. So last question before I turn it over to you guys. What in the heck is a do or dire? And explain I, the, you know, what do you, what I mean by that? I, and I'll tell you what, like what I, what I try to, to do or dire is really what I consider myself. Right. And, and, and I also, it's the people that I work with, the people I hire and the people that I do businesses with. And at its core, I refer to like at its core, it is those with a relentless work ethic and unwavering self-belief to create their own destiny, right? And what I've found in, in, in truly successful people is you are just, you're, you're willing to put in the work, but you also have so much self-belief that you're willing to keep optimizing and keep trying and keep learning. And, and, and even to go a further layer, like, uh, I kind of attach six core values to then what makes up the type of doer dyers that I believe have the the actual core to be incredibly successful, and that's perpetually optimizing. Right, you have to always be getting better. It's like you, you know, the I would say the most traditional age old one is like, man, if I knew what I knew in high school, right? But it's like, fuck that. If I knew what I knew today, fuck five years ago. You know what I mean? It's it's. If you are just relentlessly learning and constantly getting better and better and better, you are going to literally um, laugh at how much you were able to grow every five years. You know, I think, um, you know, to me, another thing is like, I'm passionately compelled, right? I'm not necessarily driven out of um, trying to hit necessarily markers. I don't, I'm fueled by the idea of, learning more and achieving and figuring this all out and living this incredible life. Like I'm more compelled to, a, to do it as opposed to, I'm not trying to prove anybody wrong. I'm not trying to be like, these motherfuckers told me I couldn't do it. You know what I mean? Like it is, it is ultimately when your fire uh, comes from inside, magnetically inspiring. I think great people like their energy should be inspiring and drive, be contagious is what sort of the, the, the force of energy that inspires people and ultimately gets people to work with you the same way. Uh, honestly, brilliant. I think that, that um, you know, really smart people know what they're really smart at and, and are super aware of it. It's really my, my version of self-awareness, right? Because I also think like, I know how much um, 
the level of financial knowledge that I understand and know today versus five years ago, someone would have said like, oh, you're not a stick to brand and market. Don't learn financials, right? But the reality of it is, is if you want to be a great business person, you need to understand the seven core capabilities of business, which is brand, product, media, sales, marketing, operations, and finance. If you do not know all some sort of general aspect of all of those. You cannot hire people in there. You cannot check people in there. You cannot strategize inside there. And if any of those seven core fundamentals are missing from your business, your business is going to be in trouble. I don't, and, and a lot of people get lucky uh, because they find like, um, like the right people to fill those holes for them and they have the right product and the right market at the right time. And there's, uh, they find success and then they go out and start another company. And and that whole, when they start the new company is the gaping thing that is the reason why they never uh, found success again. A little over the top, there's tangent in a little bit. And then profoundly grounded, right? Like to me, it's like, man, just put me around just naturally good people like that. And it's not like, you know, it's it's not... In some sort of way where you're like, you have, you're trying to be, you're just a naturally a good person. And it doesn't matter at great success or failure, you're, you're still living in the, the, the same uh, ideology and personality that you really are, is sort of what makes up a do or dieer for me. You know, I love that. All right, guys, I'm going to turn it over to you. You ready? So, so look, it is, I call it, it's, I call it the the elements, right? That are essential. And and for me, if you can imagine, if the customer and the consumer sits right here, right, and everything that you know about them and what they are, that all feeds down into brand and product, right? Uh, because ultimately, brand and the brand soul is the why and the what you're creating and what for and what what does it really make the name, the identity, uh, the product. Even being a product person is 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 so important depending on what industry you're on uh, you're in but that's still fed by consumer insights then the integrated media strategy your owned earned and paid like your brand story should be able to seamlessly go into your own earned and paid media your own content your social media uh, sort of this entire universe that that brand story about your product that's for your customers being told in this media that is then the tools that you use for marketing that then uh, the marketing is through your sales is what generates the capital that's all fully hinged together by the operational side of the business. That's um, an actual business by its financial construct and its actual business viability that is then all fully interconnected with the leadership team. And to me, I, I because what I learned from doing so many companies is that you'll find really driven, amazing, do or dire CEOs that I'm like, this is the man right here. Let's build a business. And then we bleed it out in the first year trying to find product market fit because this guy that knows nothing about marketing and sales can't operate the business because never had the experience, right? So even when we we go to assess opportunity, we assess a, a potential co-founder through those seven core capabilities and, and ultimately... We'll choose to say, hey, we can't even do this until you get like a finance, an, uh, some sort of director of operations and we get an outsourced CFO, like that sort of, of way of looking at it. 
And then sometimes I, you know, like, you know, we're partners in outstanding foods, uh, pig out chips and Bill Glazer is like literally one of the, the premier archetypes of he has deep general knowledge and the seven core capabilities. And you can see it in the way he's built the business, how he's managed the product, how he's hired. Like it's like every last aspect of it is, 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 is everything that you want in someone that you're building a company. And then for me, if you own a company, don't ever be in a position where it's like, oh, my, my operations guy handles that. Like my, you know, I got hired a social media person, hired a content director, right? It's like, it's the reality that you have got to train yourself if you're going to run a business and general knowledge and every single aspect of that, because ultimately your vision and strategy needs to be fully integrated across every single one of those, including how you operate the business and ultimately, uh, you know, how that business is ran financially because that's your, your lifeblood. You know what I mean? Like you want a business that has 70% margins and, you know, a 20% marketing budget and, and super low SGNN. You want to kick, kick off, you know, 20% EBITDA margin if you're really living it, right? Like in the, in the framework of if you're really doing it perfect, you know, it's like in a lot of people, where I struggle with, with some of the businesses is, is founder market fit, where you don't understand the industry as well when you launch a company and the learning curve is so incredibly deep uh, entering a new industry that it gets it's super difficult and, and it's a different process. Like It's not something that I would never uh, do, but I bake it into the timeline. Like I add a full year if it's founder market fit for them to slowly land. I don't allow a company like that to b- begin to burn cash. It's like, let's go out and learn and test before you and use a ton of outsource resources before you, you kick on a burn. And let's, let's try to like find a product market fit and find some momentum first that you could then staff up people that have. Uh, a better relationship with the industry and understand the nuances before they do it. But I'm ranting a little bit, but it's just the depth of like how I look at a single question of like, could you name the seven capabilities again? 45 minutes later. Uh, not a, <laughs> okay. not a rant at all. It's amazing. It's amazing. All right. So um, I can hand the mic over to you guys. Remember uh, who you are and what you're grateful for. Who is first? Oh, before we go, what? Oh, who are you and what are you grateful for? My name is Rob, and I'm grateful that I finally made it to California to live. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where'd you move? From Atlanta to uh, Hermosa. Hermosa, okay. Yeah, yeah you got to shit. You got to move to the beach. Yeah. We all do it first, then we move inland, especially in LA. Shit. So uh, the question is around, it's actually a two part question. The first part is around children. If you go back to when you were starting, how old are your kids now? Two and three. Oh, so you got baby babies. Okay. Yeah. So I, I guess starting. it's probably not a fair question at this stage. I could tell you what I'm doing at the starting. Yeah, but point. you're already rich. So this is the problem. Yeah. <laughs> when, <laughs> it's true. I swear to God, that's so true. Yeah, man. money. It's true. Man, I, mean, I could fuck. Trust me. Money. My really expensive night nurse. I've never been in either one of my kids' rooms in their lives at night. Oh, well, they've never woken up in the middle of the night because a really expensive night nurse. Okay. Well then fuck the question because you just answered it. Yeah. Okay. Forget that. Um, You're not, there's no way you can associate to this question I was going to (laughs) ask. So I'm going to change the question and go back. There was a book that I heard you mentioned. It was something like begin with the end in mind or 
Start at the end. Start at the end. Why was that book as impactful as it was? And what do you do now in your businesses as a result of the principles that you got from the book? Look, I I think the the great unlock, right? Because I think I consume so many different types of content, right? And, And I'm just looking... I'm not looking for a business books philosophy. Yeah. I'm not looking for I'm not looking for every book to like I'm just looking for one little new thing yeah, like to a print line. And I and I think the the great unlock for that was I never really looked at like hey, I want to sell this business for 30 million dollars and I want to uh, own half of it and make 15 million. Okay, well shoot, how would I do that? Right? I think like that sort of massive unlock of now how I look at all my businesses, right? Only in this like deeply sophisticated uh, way of that. And then I apply that to my life, right? So it's like, it's really uh, that same system of like what, how I approach money and what type of life that I want to live and, and how like my goal is to create a billion dollars in, in value, right? And I have it mapped all the way out including the each one of my portfolio companies and how I have to grow them in value and what percentages I need to own them and how many new ones I need to build and in order to achieve that over the next 10 years, right? Does that come naturally to you or was there a process that educated you on how to do that? Because a lot of the stuff that you're talking about tonight yeah. is going over my head. Yeah, yeah. So I want to make sure that I get the education that <laughs> yeah. I need yeah. to be able to speak as eloquently as you are yeah. about these principles. I think that that's... That happens to me a lot, right? Because I just, you get into so many layers that you think people are just hearing you on, on the concept, but you're just, oh, you're just like going to no man's land. But look, I, my simple form of that is my, there's, I, there's not a dime I spend that I don't sign the check, right? There's not a, I have these super sophisticated way of looking at, at all my financial models, including my personal financial goals. So I, I I don't invest in random things. I either own companies. I invest in multifamily units with an A plus operator uh, for a a cash on cash dividend dividend that's fully depreciated because I'm in a syndication. Super over the top. But what it is is I have super disciplined, sophisticated sort of ways of looking at what I want out of money in a simplified system on how um, I approach it, that's easy for me to understand that I just do over and over and over again, right? And was there a process of education that got you to this point? I, yeah, I mean, look, this is the relentless pursuit to learn all of it, right? Like, I just I just wanted clarity, right? I wanted to understand like all, and, and really I would say, like when I read Tony Robbins, like Money Master the Game, like what, what, it, where it fucked me up was it was like, God damn, I don't even know what, I just worked so hard. And like, I invest in a bunch of shit. Some of it really works and some of it doesn't. It's like, like, I don't like take into consideration. Like, I just know I pay a shitload in taxes and like, like, yeah, I invest in some shots, some shit works, some shit. Like I'm, I really like in, in the idea of seeking clarity and wanting systems that were scalable. Like I wanted to design the way that I looked at, at, all of my expenses and all of my money in a way that was leading me to somewhere that was creating security and consistency, regardless of, of the success of anything I did. Uh, and, and that's what led to, to chasing down family uh, units as a really conservative way for me to enter, invest my earned capital, uh, then invest in my own startware for those 
you know, you get a seven to eight percent cash return on those. And they sell the buildings every uh, five to 10 years, you end up with seven or eight more percent. You're looking at this 14% IRR. You want to understand money like that. You want to understand what is the return on my capital and what do I expect and what are the, the risk factors. And then when you invest in an idea, uh, you know, you want to be able to look at it and be like, hey, this is the long term hope that my the return on this of what I'm hoping to get out of. And if you're in a business, like to me, it's like, do I want to sell it one day? Build it to sell. Do I want it to be profitable? And I would like to live off of 500 grand a year and pay, you know, 200 grand in taxes and have 300 post tax dollars. And that's the life that I want to live. Like you got to, and the start at the end concept, it's like designing your sort of way of living into your business and your savings plan and everything. So you are headed to a place where you could make the rules on when you retire. For me, if you can imagine, I try to keep my personal living expenses within the dividend of my buildings. So it doesn't, I'm basically living for free. So this, even though I will make this insane amount of money this year, I don't, I don't spend any more money. I just put all that extra post-tax dollars into the system, right? And that system is either investing in my own companies that I created, that I am controlling the destiny of, uh, and or uh, putting them in buildings. I put it in nothing else, right? And then I keep a ton of cash, right? Because it just, it gives me this, this amazing... Um, foundation in which to operate off of. You know, it's very easy to take risk when you have a deep foundation. You know? I got to get this microphone out of my hand because I can keep asking questions. Yeah. Who's, who's next? I just want to ask a clarifying question off of his. So because there's so much that I think that everybody is just like, we would love to learn so many things, I'm guessing, like, especially for maybe pivoting or starting something new. When you were in the process of learning, did you say, I'm interested in that? So you just started learning and that's how you learned everything? Or was it like, I need to educate myself on uh, finances? Or was it because you started going down the path and you were like, whoa, this is what I need? And it started revealing itself to you. So does the journey of your learning reveal itself so that you're not overwhelmed and like, I have to learn everything first before I even start acting? Or did you act and then realize what you learned? Or, yeah. or yeah, this is from years of, of losing millions of dollars, right? Like I'm by learning through the fire, right? And getting burned so deeply. And and look, and I'm not saying like there's not advantages to um to that aspect. And it wasn't like I just knew I was deficient. I wanted to learn and then I became obsessed, right? And as I learned more, it became more exciting. And then as it got it got bigger and better. But I, I you know, I do think it is you can only you're there's probably even a range of you don't know what you don't know, right? And it, and it's that idea of like, even though you know you may not fully understand uh, certain aspects, but I, I'm what I what I would say was my greatest Achilles heel in my early entrepreneurship is I just did not learn finances, and I just it's so fundamental that you understand everything financial. Not you don't got to be an accountant. But you should be really close, right? It because it is like it's such a crucial thing to be able to manage a business and then ultimately be strategic in a way that that you can justify the KPIs of what you're hoping to achieve in a financial way. It's it's just one of those things that I just 
stayed away from. You know, I I really just thought I would hire people. And then I really, and it kind of worked for a, a really long time where I was like, I'm just going to keep working really hard. Oh shit, that didn't work. All right, fuck, whatever. Like, I'll just keep, keep making money. And I really thought that, that I would eventually, uh, someone, I would make so much money. It just wouldn't happen. Wouldn't even matter type of thing. Yep. You know what I mean? So can, can I ask for all the people who have a block right now around numbers? Does anyone have a block around numbers? Just raise your hand so I can see. Okay. So for those people, is it possible? Uh, clearly, you were like, I'm going to skip that part because that part sucks. Yeah. Um, so for you, what did that take to sit? Like, do you think non-numbers people, or is that a story? Mm-hmm. Can we, they, learn? <laughs> can they, W-H-E-Y, I don't know. <laughs> can we learn I, look, that? I, I think you, you stumbled over it. But you just think you can't because it's too overwhelming at first. And, and I'm saying it was the, that's the same way I like. I'm not even like, whatever. Like, you know, I'm, I marvel that I would buy companies by sitting in a fucking room with, like, when I think about the team that I had backing me up when I acquired this, this, this one business, like, First of all, you got no business buying a fucking business. And like, you're, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and then you're out here, fuck, yeah, this well, fuck, you know, and like when I look at like, like, is that what it sounds like? You, you know what I mean? Like, and I got these fucking donkeys with me that are like, it's a good deal. It's good. Let's get it done. Right. Like, it's like, fuck, like, like, I'm, it's the blind leading the blind where they're like, damn, this motherfucker is really going to buy this shit. Like, uh, we got him. And, and it's, it's, and it's easy to look at in hindsight. It's really, really particular. And and yes, I was I was blazoned in that fire of you know losing millions of dollars, and and it was one of the things that pushed me along. But I just decided that man, fuck this. I'm going to master everything that there is to do with financial modeling. Not make them, but like understanding them. And then the most beautiful thing happened is. I began to understand them that at such a deep level that I was now that same creativity and, and, and way of thinking for brands and all this way, I was now able to apply that to the financial side of the business. So now, you know, I just hired a big director of finance to oversee my portfolio. And I, all the people that I screened, I was looking for someone that had that same ability, knowing that like it's not it seems like it's super clinical and there's just sort of one way to manage it. It's the numbers, but it's really this incredible art form where you can you can pull all these levers and consider make all these considerations um that that drive uh, these different levers that will actually be the determination between the success or failure of your business, right? and and it because of the knowledge, I was able to hire someone that saw it the same way that I saw it. And when I had them do run financial models for me and do uh, investment analysis and different stuff, like it was like, oh, finally, versus like people that would just like, like, is this good enough? Here's all the numbers, like the more sort of accounting thing. But look, that that it, it is you just have to force yourself. And it's just it's like to me, like riding a bike or swimming. Like it seems so foreign at first, and then eventually you get used to it, and then and really you want to be good at it. And and I'm, you know, the 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 
best entrepreneurs I know, very rarely do I I meet a creatively driven entrepreneur, a product driven entrepreneur, a media driven, sales driven, marketing driven entrepreneur that that has built a successful company that didn't have some super numbers person help them, right? And really. The guys that I know have built the biggest companies came from, from money first, right? Like they, they entered in at like, this is the business opportunity. Let's create a brand around this, right? And, and I'm from a world where you're uneducated. You quit high school. You started your first company at 17 and you're fucking, you're a fucking entrepreneur, right? Like you, uh, and you go on to start all these companies and do all these things, like, and you never actually learned any fundamental aspects of, of business. And, and I, and look, I didn't teach myself that at like 25. I'm 46 years old. I taught my 45 years old. I taught myself that at 41. You know what I mean? Like I didn't like, I, I, I finally realized, even when I talk about the way that I look at the business now, not all my businesses are, are done the same way, right? Like some of them have, like I did a few years ago and they taught me like, that's the lens that you have to look at business, right? Like, cause I used to just look at, I had sort of a, a, a sophisticated, but less realist way of looking at financial models three, four years ago versus now, like it, and even the way that I, I evaluated entrepreneurs and CEOs was done to this much thinner line that you can only get uh, from experience. You know what I mean? Oh, I am so grateful for this moment with everybody. Yeah. So grateful. Bryce, I'm thankful for this room. And in my mind, it's cultivated so well for us to be able to grow, but also realize today how open we're allowed to be and how vulnerable we can be. And I think that's incredible and, and super unique. So thank you for that. Question for you. So obviously you've achieved a lot of success um, or to the point where you, your life expenses come from rental units or whatever they may be. What keeps you motivated to continue to be successful and continue to push and not just sit on the couch and enjoy your family and yeah, look, it, it, that's where I go back to that sort of lifestyle and legacy and your sort of purpose, right? So like when I when I think about what I'm creating, like my lifeblood is creating shit, right? I don't like to like, I love being in the room when we fuck just are, it's air and you're talking about an idea and it goes from like, oh, we should do that. Then you go through our process and then it starts to shape. Oh, no, it's like this. Oh, we should do Oh, it's like, oh, then the product fucking comes. It's like, what the fuck? It's like your bed's like, oh, then it goes to market. Nobody buys it. You're like, God damn it. What happened? Then it's like fucking all, you know, or some like you go to fucking market and bam, it fucking explodes. Over. You're like, what the fuck? We knew it. We knew it. Right. It's like, I'm. I live for that, right? But but I'm still like, still lives off people knowing about it, right? And and when I think about my legacy, like I see this like super clear path of like first, like man, he really created this amazing life for himself, right? And along the way, uh, he created a hundred incredible brands, right? But the most remarkable thing about his story is the return on capital that he created from all the stuff that he designed and developed, right? Like when I look at, at my the coffee book of all the businesses that I created, it is where the initial concept came from, what we shaped it, 
and the return on capital that we invested in it, right? And it's just like, holy God, this guy's IRRs were 120% on average for 10 years, right? It's like, and that to me, and his average uh, company that his he built and funded uh, returned 100x on almost everyone he created, 80x, a 50x, right? And, and most people that invest at an early stage are a, a you know, they're, they're 10x, uh, 20x, you know, you get into a later stage, you're looking at, at, at 5x, 3x, right? Like, you know, whatever it may be. So to me, like, I constantly see like this vision of like sharing how I taught myself all of that from someone that was uneducated, then built and failed so many things, but just kept like focusing on my mastery of wanting to be a master of curating individuals' ideas and then building and shaping highly profitable businesses, right? Like it's the, what I learn and do every day. And I, and it's like, again, I'm, I still shoot a mass amount of TV because it's like something I already created and I make so much money doing it. It's such a minimal effort, but it doesn't give me energy. I don't hate it. Right. But it's like, it's, it's feels like the old me up there fucking dancing like a, you know, and it's, don't get me wrong. It's fun. You know, I, I just went through this really interesting sort of run this week of, of my executive team, more or less like trying to get prepared for how I change when, when I shoot, right. Just given the amount of energy I've got to now go to that, which takes away from the business, you know, and uh, because I just love creating businesses and just talking about, I like when they're in the fucking fire. Like I like when shit's in chaos and it's like, how can we fucking like, what can we do to fucking shake this thing out of here? Like, Oh, like one thing. Oh, like, Oh shit. You know, it's like, I enjoy every single aspect of it. And, but I know that the same way that I loved being a pro skateboarder in my teens and twenties. And then I loved being like a television guy in my thirties. Um, like I know that I also, this deep dedication to this will probably last 10 years. Right. So I even have the entire plan sort of built around fully exiting from it in 10 years. And then I know I'm going to take that capital and then go deep into one-off creative projects. Right. So I'm, I'm, and then I even to give you the depth of how I map out my life. And then I, I map out sort of my net worth by year, my age, my wife age, and all my current kids and my future kids age. And I want to take a break when all my kids are in this sort of age range that I can take a five-year break and dedicate uh, more time to mentoring them and, and being there to help evolve them and our family before I know I'll shift to, to bigger creative projects or, or stuff that's more based in, hey, here's how I Here's how I could share with you how I systematically created this existence over a 10-year period type of thing, you know. But it's that fuel. Well, it'll never die. I'm just like a refined... The drive has been in me since a, a little kid. I've never like needed motivation. I've just always been so driven to keep evolving and pushing. I'm now like this much more refined version that the output is so much more significant, you know. Are you losing motivation already? <laughs> And look, and I'll tell you what it is. It's progression towards ideas that you find exciting will always have you motivated, right? When you can design like, oh, that'd be amazing if we did that. And wherever you're at, and you can keep 
moving and progressing towards that, that's that's the fuel that keeps driving you, you know. Because if you start rolling backwards, you're like, uh, well, no, if you get stagnant, you're like, what the fuck is all this? Not this isn't going to work. If you start going backwards, then you're depressed, right? Like always progression towards a clear goal is like pure motivation forever. I'm Jordan and I'm grateful for the family that you guys have built in this room and uh, the friendships that are continuing to grow and as we support each other through our businesses and personal lives. And I'm grateful for you being here. You've talked a lot about business logistics and um, I've also heard you say words like energy and evolution. And um, my question is, do you have a meditative, spiritual or self-discovery practice? And how has that, if so, how has that affected your level of success? Well, look, I'm... I'll tell you what I what I realized like along the way, right? Even when you're you're fucking like you have so much self-belief it's gotten you in fucking trouble. Your ability to believe in the future is the key to everything, right? So so what I've realized, like I can't meditate, right? Like I fucking get up and I'm fucking, let's go. So how I taught myself to meditate was I bought a meditation machine. I found this random uh, thing called the Soma Dome uh, where you get in this thing and put on a guided meditation. Since it's light and sound, I can get in it at five in the morning and I'm fucking... (laughs) But the only thing that I do when I'm in there is I only... I do the same single one every day, a manifestation one. And all I do is think about the feeling of when all the things that I'm working on are working out and working. I just try to like get into that state because that vibration is actually vibration that will will make it true. And and, and I'll and I'll tell you another thing. I was telling these guys that even even like like every like you know six weeks, me and my wife will watch The Secret, right? And it's like, it, and for me, it's like what it does is you just have a tendency to. Like everybody naturally has a tendency to drift to start thinking about what if this doesn't happen? What if you get into this what if phase and this sort of practice? And then that movie for specifically, specifically for me is like hits me right back into this, like, like, and I don't even have to like watch the whole thing or even be fully paying attention. It just like when I just start thinking about, no, you control this shit, you always have. And I reflect on like, look at all that you've done. Like, you fucking put a put that in your mind first and created all this shit. Like it just like reinvigorates like that life force of believability, even for someone like me that 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 already has it in droves. Like I don't want it to waver because I know when I'm living in that that crazy extra uh, level of pushing it forward and believing like it's all gonna happen. Guess what happens? Fucking shit just keeps fucked like the most random shit keeps happening. Like it, it the 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 teachings of it and what it actually is really works, right? So for me, like depending on who you are, uh, the life that you've led, how connected do you are to the universe, and and how much you believe in and your ability to to manifest uh, stuff around you will dictate how effective that I think it is is for you. And you got to see the results. You know what I mean? I think at the end of the day, you've got to 
to practice and then ultimately see that things are happening to begin to even put belief in something like that, you know, but that's really what I do on a, on a, on a, on a, not every single day, like depending on my flow, um, <laughs> but it sits there right in my office and I, I, you know, probably do it uh, five or six times a week, you know, so a lot of visualization for manifestation. hundred percent. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Melissa. I'm also grateful for this amazing room and the ability to make money out of thin air. Um, so speak the ability to make money out of thin air. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So on that topic about money, so you obviously have multiple revenue streams. And we've heard time and time again from Chris and other successful entrepreneurs to, to not put all of your, your eggs in one basket. So if you could go back in time and start all over again, and you started with one revenue stream and you got to a point where you could start creating multiple revenue streams, where would you, what would the next stream be? And then how would you diversify from there? Uh, look, I mean, I, I get the it's a little bit um, too specific in the sense of tactical, but I would say this, right? I would hunt margin over everything, right? I would hunt some sort of product in, in that I could find that was cheap, that I could sell for a premium uh, because it had some sort of value prop that was unique in the space. I had some sort of access to a certain core demographic, but you know, it's in businesses where you can you can create a product where there's a ton of margin in it, and then you have sort of advantages in a marketplace to acquire customers. These are these holy levers of of what can make a business successful. A lot of people start businesses based off of opportunity. They were working for someone and saw like, oh, I could I could take their customers and do a better job, like that that type of thing. Like, so to me, it would be uh, if starting a business, I would focus on stuff that's extremely high margin and and really, what I've been obsessed with lately is products that have. You know, they refer to it in direct to consumer as lifetime value, but I've been really looking at it as like customer value per year. Like, how much um, will your customer buy your product? Right? Like, we have a slipper brand we're launching, and like when I do the analysis, it's it's a footwear brand and it's slipper. Like, maybe we get one or two per year. Uh, so the amount of customers that we need, in the way that we need to service them to sustain or grow. Uh, their average purchase is incredibly difficult versus, you know, potentially launching a coffee creamer business. Another thing that I'm looking at now, now you, you get some proprietary sort of functional technology in it. And, and now you can charge a premium for it and it has an 80% margin. And now it's, if, if someone loves the product, they could buy, you know, one product every month for five years, 10 years for the rest of their lives, right? Because it's being consumed and and now it lends itself to a subscription-based sort of model. It's it's, it's really just hunting, uh, understanding sort of the, the unit economics behind the business, hunting something that you can buy cheap and sell at a premium is sort of the holy grail that doesn't cost you. And then you want to have some sort of clear advantage on how to gain the revenue so you're not spending all your money acquiring customers. One. Two, I I'm I like, you know, I think real estate's gotten like a weird, it's in a weird zone with like Grant Cardone and like a lot of different people, like, you know, the way that that stuff's ran and a lot of fun. Like it, there's a lot of layers of, you know, how it can be shown in a a 
a confusing and weird light and leverage and you can buy more of this. I There's a lot of layers to get burned and a lot of people will, but I just believe so much in the long-term value of the cash that it generates, right? And 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 sort of the the ability to depreciate it because you got to begin to look at all of your money through tax ranges. You know, like when I sell, you know, we sold a bunch of companies this year. I pay long-term capital gains tax rather than the personal income tax that I pay on all my TV money, right? Versus all of my real estate money I pay zero in tax on, right? So even though I blend all of this together to give me an effective tax rate, you still why real estate is like a really good thing is because of that. Now you can do it wrong and get jammed and you know, I, there's a million of ways, million different ways for that to lose, but it, but it's that it's 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 just something that that I like and or um, something that does pay you a dividend for your money. So you're not watching it grow, but you're actually getting something from it. I think is just a a really interesting thing. Or developing a product and licensing it. You know, I, I think. If you're someone that has, you're a really product driven person that's inventive and create an idea, like, but don't want to operate a business and deal with it, like doing something that you license where you get paid off of every single one that's made is another uh, sort of beautiful uh, sort of thing. You're not creating necessarily any long term value, but you're creating an, an amazing revenue stream, you know, and that's about it. That's cash. But margins over everything, man. It's it's like you it, and you just you have to understand how much you have left over after you have paid for your product, and then what it costs you to sell that. It is the holiest of holy because it's like you are going to work your ass off and have a fucking successful fucking business and make no money. Right? It's just the reality, man. It's it is it is the truth, and it's like. And, and like when I think about how hard and how what an amazing business I created and that it never made any money and worse off the trade value of the business that I created. I didn't even understand like if someone was to buy this, what would they buy it at? And even the the reason it had no trade value is because the unit economics were so shitty, right? And like, but I was gonna change the world. You know what I mean? Like, and I fucking did, right? And I did and had incredible success. And made no money, right? Like I think that was a an incredibly cold, hard reality of of putting so much time and effort into something, and then watching it be incredibly successful, but but be worth nothing to me ultimately. You know. Um, it's so funny. All I've been on in the last couple, I've literally like have only been on sector margin. Like I literally just like presented to my like number two, like look at every single one of these industries and all of their gross margins, right? I'm like, look at Nike's gross margins versus LVMH's gross margin. Look at Apple's EBITDA, 23%, right? This is how deep I was this weekend. So there's, there's no, no specific, right? Like there's probably markers and some like, but I, I, there are four really sophisticated companies that can get to that scale. And, and, and I really think the holy grail is, this is the formula for the holy grail of business, right? Like where it is a, you have a super value prop, meaning what you're delivering to the customer is super unique and different in some sort of unique way 
and it is irresistibly shareable, meaning that, that the customer just has to tell somebody about it. And then because of that, you are now able to drive the price up beyond sort of market standard, thus driving your margin even further. But the fact that now you have created such a value prop and now your consumer is your is your marketer telling everyone, making your product viral, driving down your marketing and customer acquisition costs is then what pops out this beautiful EBITDA margin that makes you feel incredible, right? And yeah, like what? Yeah, look, I don't know their margins, but yeah, ah, shit, like seven, seven. I think they're public. I'm going to go home and look it up. Hi, Rob. My name is Sandy. Yeah. yeah. You good? My name is Sandy. I'm from Saratoga Springs, New York. And my question is twofold and it stems from something that you said in the beginning. Have an unwavering self-belief that you can create your own destiny. And I think the question that I have is part of the self-belief stems from the space that you create for yourself through a morning routine. So I would love if you could break down your morning routine. And then the second question is when you talk about self-belief and something that I heard so much and what you were saying was the power of negotiation. And I think that so many of us can get so far and um, really be able to cut some corners and save some money at, in when we like can negotiate better. So I would love to hear a little bit more about some of your negotiation skills and tips and everything like that. A lot. That was a lot. That was a lot. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, let me say this, like, uh, look, belief is, is you got to build belief, right? Like you build belief through, through like micro goals and micro achievement and clarity and doing big things. You got to, you got to build and build and build. You got to have it naturally, but you got to build it. And, and look to my, my morning routine is like five o'clock every single morning I get up. I weigh myself every single day. I've weighed myself every single day for five years. Uh, I have, uh, or six years, I have like full body composition, right? It's like the dictation of like how hard I've fallen off or how hard I'm killing it. I've <laughs> been re-engineering my entire biomechanical functionality for the last four and a half years. Of like a complete, totally other story, but I'm about to have the body of like an 18-year-old Titan, but pain-free and happy as can be. And then I jump in my Soma Dome I jump right to the coffee because it, it matters the most, right? To, to get that fired up. And then every single day, I mark zero to 10 how motivated I am, right? Um, I mark how much I slept that night. And then I go to the previous day. I, I'm, uh, if I don't eat or drink uh, unclean, I will sleep six and a half hours, like no matter what time I go to bed. If I go to bed at 10.45, six and a half hours, 10.05, six and a half, you know, so I get up at 4.30 if I do that. If I drink even a glass of wine, it's seven hours to the alarm clock, right? Like, and then depending on uh, how late I am there. But then I, then I, every single day, then I, from the previous day, I rate how I felt about my life one to 10, my work one to 10, and my health one to 10. And I've did that for years and I've been doing it for years. And what, what that basically does is use qualitative data, how you feel about it to begin to triangulate. What are the things that are bothering you? What are, what are these things that keep nagging you that you need to change in your life? Right. And, you know, I went from a world where, because, because it's binary, 
when I look at the world, when I hit a five, that means I fucking, I'm not really motivated, but I'm not unmotivated. If I'm below a five, I could pick apart fucking every decision I've ever made. And that's what I kind of learned along the way. I realized like, damn, like, like I'm really, it's either, I, uh, you know, we call it highs and lows, but it actually became this incredibly clear sort of thing when I began to track it like that. You just see the world half empty. You just can all these, you pick apart all this shit versus like bad things can be happening when you see the world half full and you just deal with it. And like, oh, fuck, we're going to get this. And <laughs> I really built, I use that system even to this day to just now, just like literally like life mastery and energy mastery, right? And where before, if you looked five, six years ago, the numbers were like all over the place and got super low and all this stuff where, but I cleared out everything that ever caused that. And then, and and now have built this incredibly weightless light life that it's literally almost impossible for me to wake up in like a weird bad day. It's, it's literally not possible. And that is from work, right? And it makes taking tough decisions and cutting people out of your life and getting rid of things and, and learning things that you knew you had to learn because of what it is. Like I, I had one of my, like, I in the data saw that my number one executive was the main reason that I was like getting pulled down the most and had to like literally fire her and every single person in the company because I've empowered her to hire everyone because I was having such trouble in managing her and her, her battle with other employees that I was like, my strategy was fuck it. You hire everybody. You can't fucking, if, if everyone's below you, then it's just me and you. And then the moment she got to do that, then it's just me and her battling. Right. And, but it became this clear thing that I had to get rid of. And, and, and it was just these things like learning money the way that I learn it now and, and developing that system is another thing where it was like sort of the, the blindness of my money was like, was this thing that constantly was weighing me down and I cleared all that out. Right. So it's, it's just this, this system that I use. And then, uh, I try to plan what I'm going to work on in the morning and I usually make it, um, whatever the first big meeting of the day is, right? So I, because it's when I'm at like my highest, like fucking like no one can call me, kids aren't up, wife's asleep. I'm just like, I can work and, and, and be really clear. So I really always try to plan that either on big, big thinking or preparing for the biggest meeting of the day. And then every single day, I write my wife an email before I wake her up. That is every single thing that I'm doing in the day and what it means to me, right? So she gets an entire timeline and then a big love quote every single day. Because one of the things that was getting my life energy was her feeling disconnected because I do so much. And like, we'll be at dinner and I'll be talking about this thing that I'm doing. And it'll be the first time that she heard it, right? And I'd be like, no, I I told you that for sure. Yeah, I'm doing this whole new company. I'm doing this whole thing. Like, and, and, and it's like, it's that sort of like, rather than like, oh, I'm going to commit to making sure I tell her everything. It's like, damn, if all I do is commit to this where every day, and then she, there's this nuance of where am I at all day? Like, what, when am I going to be home? Like, what do I, what am I, where am I going to be? So uh, another part of like, just, optimizing your relationship with your wife, but ultimately your own energy, because it now has unlocked another level uh, of clarity between both of you. And then I swear I, I 
every single morning I sing both of my kids away and I make both of my kids. Well, number one, my daughter, I just say, I'm so happy that I make them say they're happy. And then I say, like, you know, you can do anything in this world. Why? Because I believe in me, Dada. So I just, all I try to do is like every single morning, make them say it. And, and even, you know, now that he's three, he's like, like, uh, you can, I believe in me, Dada. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't even get it out. And he's like, I believe in me. And, and, it, and it's, it's this range of every time they do something, it, like the smallest thing, like you can get it. Like, I can't get the soap. You know what I mean? You can get it. You get, I got it. See, you can do it. You believe in you. And it's like, because to me, like, I know how important it is. And I know it was naturally in me. And I've watched like how hard it is for people to develop self-belief. It's one of the most difficult things that there is. And I, you know, outside of that, in my other obsession is biomechanical functionality. I believe we create compensation and dysfunction at birth. Uh, not going to get too deep into it. But then I have a structural specialist come to my kid's house or comes to our house and monitor their a kinesiologist since they were born and monitor their functionality. So they're both like these like super structured, <laughs> like, like no, every, every uh, six weeks we do that. Yeah. Then I jump right into rehab. I do rehab every single day at 7.15, right? Of like slowly rebuilding muscle for muscle, firing pattern for firing pattern in the entire system. A doctor has been coming to my house and I've been doing it, triangulate a bunch of different therapies and different doctors for almost five years. Because I, I start, I'm going to get deep on it. But I, I, my intention was I was in the best shape of my life and had this incredible uh, sort of system to track my effort and circuit workouts. And But I was achy. Always had planner. Always had one calf that was popping. Always had a hamstring. My QL was always like sore. Like pec minor's always tight, right? And and I all I wanted, I was like, man, I told my, my, my doctor at the time, I just want to start like... I want to have perfect structure and went on this journey that I thought would take, you know, hey, let's just rebuild everything and do your stretches and fucking let's get it right. And I realized that your body became, bless you, becomes is actually this giant like Chinese handcuff of neurological and structural. It's fucking crazy. So it's nuts, man. Like really what I've learned, I know like how the body functions both neurologically and, and structurally is like, I'll, I'll bore everybody with it, but I basically literally learned, triangulated three super advanced therapies and three different doctors that allowed me basically to map every compensation pattern I've ever created in 40 years and unwind each one of them at a time. And you can only correct it there. It's fascia related, dead muscle related, or flipped muscle related, or hypertonic, right? Overactive muscle. And you've got to basically break the what's de determine what it is and then break the individual. Then the next compensation pattern will open up. I've been going one by one. Every compensation pattern has been two and a half years. And it's like, that's how bound up my system was. And I've never taken a step backwards and the system like fully works, but it's just too intense and nuts for the world. But the reality of it is, is like, I'm going to try to figure out a way to do a high speed version because I do think it is really like the, the future of uh, functional and holistic, like, comp, like 
just functionality long term because all of and I realize there's all these different treatments, but they don't they don't all they all have an actual purpose, but only if you have that super specific thing. So it's super anyway, get getting too deep. So if you can imagine this in 2023. I've accomplished all my, my structures flawless. My kids are going, I have retired. Like I, I have, I ride out at like what I refer, I'm living in forever estates, my house that I built. Like I have this sort of midway through that I call thriving 2023 that are all of like, what is my life in this purest, lightest form and all the things that you have accomplished. That's like stage one of like the rest of your life inside my already like super specific life plan. And to give you the same, I've about the same insanity is what I've been putting my architects through as I've been doing. I've done like a hundred different versions of this house because we're going to live in there for the rest of our lives and it's forever estates, our family, our home. It's like what I'll live forever. So like I literally will spend hours in VR and be like, I want to be able to see through here and out the window. We got to move the way. Like it's that same level. The same way that deep, methodic insanity I've put into every single business and how it's evolved, like it's all leading to 2023, where I am just like all of it is now like unfolded and look at how good I move, you know. Um, Andrea Sager, I'm very grateful that you are here and sh- especially sharing moments about your family and children. But my question has to do with one thing you haven't mentioned with your businesses is the legal side of things. Mm -hmm. I'm an attorney and (laughs) yeah, I know. (laughs) So I'm just curious. Number one, I'm pretty sure you probably have a firm that you regularly work with. Mm -hmm. My question is like, how have you come to work with them? And then with each of the businesses that you invest in, do you require them to have their own legal team or do you have some type of, what is your process there? Like, whether when you're investing and you you're doing due diligence and all this and that, do you and then maybe when you go to sell it, do you have like your own team or is it completely separate? Yeah, look, um, did you say what you were grateful for? I'm grateful for you and especially oh, sharing oh, about your oh, family. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, look, I as you know, it's incredibly complicated and a major, major piece, right? So I, I have actually found that I like I have sort of the the core like People that are experts in sort of what I would consider uh, general structure of these startup businesses, depending on what it is. We're going to take on a lot of capital. We're going to do a C-Corp, right? Like if we were going to do a profits interest one, uh, we'll do an LLC and do profits interest for investors, depending on what it is. We will control all of that, right? We really don't invest. We only build, right? So we we make sure that we manage all of that because it's really, really important. Um, and then some businesses that we may come in where they already have legal, we'll even come in and clean that up. Uh, and then when it comes specifically, right? So um, then I hire super specific depending on what it is, right? So when I built the production company, I hired a, a law firm that specializes in uh, production, right? Because there's such this deep nuance and learning curve to individual styles of businesses. Uh, when we did our alcohol, we did alcohol experts, right? Like when we when we choose, um, especially businesses that have a much more nuanced sort of legal framework that has to be applied and and a lot of things that have to be considered. Um, that then we will hire based off of that. Um, and, and, and look, I, I'm lawyers are difficult, man. They're like doctors, man. There's only there, you know, there's some shitty ones, even really expensive shitty ones. And, and I've found that, um, 
there's nothing that bothers me more on this fucking earth than when I catch something in a fucking document that a lawyer doesn't catch. Right. Like, and it, it, it drives me batshit. And, um, it's also the importance of, I'm, I'm not saying like everybody should get to this level, but man, if you can at least take the time to read everything, uh, you, it's, it's really important to like understand what's in there because there is so much nuance that can protect you, save you, uh, or get you, uh, when it comes to an operating agreement, right? So it's, it's something that we take in, incredibly serious. And, and, and I think as you would probably tell everybody in the room, uh, to do the same. What type of business do you do? Are you just a legal business? Uh, yes, I have a firm for entrepreneurs helping a lot of newer businesses get started with their legal shit that they don't. And like how do you start about. them usually? Usually, I so I bring most people in with a membership that I have. So it's a membership. They pay one hundred twenty-seven dollars a month. They get oh, um, so then you act as like their their legal general counsel, general, general counsel. Mm-hmm. Then I really specialize in intellectual property, trademarks, mm-hmm. copyrights. Yeah. And then um, See, so then I for for trademarks, I just go to only trademark. That's that's all they do. Right. So it's like I, that because to me that in itself is its own beast. Mm-hmm. So you 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 can't have the guy that's doing your uh formation uh who could who's capable of it. It's like it's why general counsel to me in certain things. It's problematic um, yeah. from an expertise standpoint, especially protecting IP mm-hmm. uh, and trademark stuff, because a lot of times you got to be, you know, yeah. wiggling around in there to actually get it. Yeah. All right. So I'm super grateful for uh, obviously Chris, super authentic you are, and also you as a super busy entrepreneur who prioritizes family. So my curious question to you is. As a person who's ra- who is raising his kids around a lot of money, what lesson do you want to teach them around finances, knowing they're exposed to access? Yeah. And also, in the same context, since they have access, how do you help them deal with failure? Yeah, it's funny. Like I, I'm, when, when I think about it, right? Because I'm at the stages of ultimately developing it. And to me, like my strategy is going to... Imp- Embrace it at a crazy level, right? Like I'm like my children to me are like Le- LeBron James Jr., right? So I explained to my kids how much this toy probably cost. He's three years old. I explained to him how much this toy cost and how much we bought it for, and like if he wants to to create it and make it, that he does this, right? We're creating these financial models for them so we can show them their money and where we're investing and what it is. So rather than because fuck, I'm not like growing these kids up around money. I live in a fucking gated community in fucking Beverly Hills with Big Sean and DJ Khaled and Fanna White and Paris Hilton. And fuck, I live in a fuck fantasy land over here, right? So, so like trying to like sort of man, then your dad, what everyone knows your dad everywhere he goes, right? So, so to me, I will teach that failure is part of the game, right? And try to, to teach that there's levels to failure, right? Do you plan to expose them to that in some capacity? In what sense? Like, I don't know. like, like, because they can't learn to fail unless they fail. Uh, yeah, but I, I think you know, I think we could agree before you send your kids over the edge on purpose on something you know they can't do. Is that you're regardless of how much preparation and how much I've failed so much in success, right? And and to me, I think that instilling them that there's growth in everything and you're just constantly growing and and even when we 
you know, we, we drop them off of school. I say, you're a hard worker and you're going to have fun. You know, it's like school is just about learning. You get better every day. You get better every day. Right. Like, and to me, it's the, as long as like you, you don't look at failure as a thing, but just another part of the process. Right. But I, I would hope to teach that there's layers to failure so that you can learn to manage your own risk. Right. So when you take a giant risk that you understand the stakes that you're taking if you're going to risk it all, if you will. But but look, it depends on what that is, right? There's a lot of layers to that. I, I have some really wealthy friends. I, you know, One of the companies I have is, is a, a supplement company that started by an 18-year-old kid that dropped out of Harvard of one of, and he's the son of one of my biggest investors, right? And partners in a bunch of my businesses. And I was like, shit, like this fucking kid does not need to go to school, right? Like that's how I felt, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, but I didn't want to be fucking Uncle Rob who quit fucking high school and this kid's in Harvard and his dad's fucking, you know, like, like Uncle Rob's over here saying he should, I should quit school. Um, but, you know, his dad who like knows how much value getting a business degree from Harvard would do for his son wasn't like, but he wants to go and, and build this the supplement business and just wants to get into being a, a CEO and an operator of a business, you know, he just said, go for it. Right. And and I think um if it fails or successes, well, he's I've seen the growth of this kid. You know, he's 20 today, and I actually just turned 21. And it's like he feels like a 45-year-old seasoned CEO after three years, you know. And so uh to me, I know that. If the shit just f- failed, he would go back to Harvard or his dad would just pay for him to do another, uh, help create the next thing, you know, whatever it is. But I don't look at that may give him a sense of security, but his drive, his desire, his hunger and his want to not uh, fail, if you will, is is embedded in who he is. You know what I mean? So, look, I don't it's a little bit. How old are your kids? They're five in the house. So uh, 21. 21 to eight. Yeah. How's five? Awesome. Great. Yeah. Anything up? Any anything best reads the same. Yeah, yeah. You're, out, you're outnumbered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, and I, I just think it, it's, it's a scary proposition in the sense of, of there's so many layers and nuances that will dictate how they feel about themselves that are so out of your control. You know that I think even helping the foundation of of who they are as individuals and how they feel about themselves will always trump any failure that they have because no matter what they've got to pick themselves back up to do on to do what's next you know we've always had a, like a saying in our house that practice makes better not perfect you know just to reward the work yeah, yeah and look i'm i'm somewhere in the middle on that like i'm i'm passionate about the process but uh, it's like playing a game without a score, right? I still, I still think that like you have to learn to master outcomes because you've got to design a life where the outcome is your dream, your energy, your happiness, right? And so I think it's important, uh, not telling you how, how to do it. This would just be my, my sort of philosophy in that is not be obsessed or find like total meaning and purpose in the outcome. Uh, but learn to get better and better at controlling the outcome because that's ultimately where happiness fulfillment uh, is in when you actually achieve it, you know? 
All right. So as you know, we always give a gift back to our incredible speakers, and that is your rapid fire takeaways, like one breakthrough moment or aha that you had. Who wants to go first? All right, Rob, that was you. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, rapid fire. I mean, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, just educate yourself. I really love that you talk so much about starting with the end in mind, the big vision, and then every decision you make in your life is based on that. That was powerful. Hunt margin over everything. (laughs) The discipline you have around fulfillment is what I took away. It's like, that's the driving force. Um, He would like to say he's thankful for my letter of recommendation. I would like, yes, (laughs) I am thankful for that. Uh, I just got him a letter of recommendation yesterday to be a member of the Soho House. Uh, your email to your wife on a daily basis. I think that's genius. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to do that. <laughs> I just love the fact that your your business life is filtered through your family life. Yeah. You know, family first. Yeah. And I just, first of all, I love how you riff on things and you don't have to have, like I was in so many wormholes there, but I love how liberated you are in your business. And that you're not shackled to it like so many entrepreneurs feel like suffocated by their business. And you're in, the, you're in this playground and it's contagious. So thanks for that. And keep in mind, I designed that. And some of my partners are fucking got a hammer to their, like are drowning. You know what I mean? And, and I try to do everything I can. But then I go back to my penthouse of Beverly Hills. Like, oh, next one. Oh, shit. This one's going. Like, you know, by design, right? I am so obsessed with how focused you are on your energy and focusing on the things that make you more energy versus what's draining your energy. And you have such discipline and self-respect and boundaries around that. And that's a huge learning lesson. That will truly make you happy. I just love how much intention there is behind everything you do, whether it's work, life, family. That's awesome. All right, you guys. Thank you for your amazing questions. Yeah, thank you all, man. I really, really, really enjoyed it. My friend. Like, hey, look, I just want to also say it's like, you know, thank you for, for having me out here because I also, I, I do it pretty rarely, right? Uh, being able, and this is my favorite way to do it is just like, man, this is, this is how I do it. This is how I think. It's like, I just love it so much when it's like, if there's even just a little thing or some application of it, I know that that's really what it is. And as long as you keep learning from every single one of these type of things and just keep going, you just will keep evolving and evolving. Uh, and unlocking and unlocking and staying focused on designing the life that you want to live and how everything you choose to do lives inside that will really change your approach to, and ultimately your ability to live happily. All right. So number one, thank you a million times over, like from both of us and from everybody. So beyond grateful. I really, really, really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.